Welcome to the Jesus, Sex, and Politics Podcast. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all those things that culture doesn't want to talk about. That will scare you spitless. <laughs> what is, okay, spitless? Like, just feel, is it, that, it, is it, that a thing? Eventually you can be so scared you have dry mouth. You, is it so cotton mouth? So fear actually will cotton mouth you. That, is, that, is that what it is? I'm going to go with that. Is that is that actually a thing? I'm asking you, like, I, scientifically, I'm does that sure prove that's it? I'm pretty true. You, we have not introduced you that's yet. Okay. Please you keep your mouth shut there. I no. got things to say. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a guest in the studio Who today. Who does not have dry mouth. She's ready to authority. talk. <laughs> that's right. She is the one and the only Miss Tina Pavey. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being it's ex- here. It's actually Mrs. Do you, okay, and, and she's eight years older than I am. First of all, can't you say Miss and I mean, can you can say Miss not no. without giving proper that, literally no, like no not that. without giving proper credit to her husband. Okay, well, so so you have to he, say Miss. He made her a Missus. Miss but, Miss started when you drop a kid off. Okay, so here's where Miss started. You used to take your kids to preschool, and they didn't like. I don't know when it changed. It quit being, my kids were told Mr. and Mrs. and the last, you'd be Mr. Beckwith. That's right. Yeah. Now my son is sassy, so you're just Micah. But, but that, that's, that's what Disrespect. we taught them. And then it started, in, it started in like daycares and stuff. Oh, yeah, it's Miss Jane, yes. Miss Tina, Miss whoever. So I, okay, but that's disrespectful. And so no, to you, I am, well, I mean, you can just go queen if you wanted. <laughs> Which Mrs. This is exactly what we we're call, diving into. <laughs> can today. we call you Madam, baby? M- madam. No. No? No. How dare you, Madam? Madam <laughs> is like a really seasoned, stuffy librarian. That's a good point. That's a madam. I, so not, ma'am. Would you be we ma- could use ma'am. You can ma'am. use ma'am. Well, no, you can't. Ma'am. But like, like youngsters. Excuse me, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, you can't call me ma'am. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of rules that you guys are all getting wrong. Which is why we had you on the show today, because we want to talk about the rules of feminism. And there's four waves of feminism, I guess, that we are in yeah. right now. And you are not a feminist by the classical definition, but I think what we're seeing now is feminism's actually getting overrun by this trans movement, which is causing people who actually value femininity to step up and actually I, speak out. I don't. I wouldn't call. I wouldn't call Tina a feminist in any regard. Well, that's. I what would I'm, call her a recovering feminist. Yes. Well, right. That's, that's like, what I'm saying. Like a classical. You're not that. That's what I said. You're not a classical feminist. No, but but to Pastor Nathan's point, like there was a time where I was. Like, yeah, I am woman. Like, I, me yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that. But you got saved. <laughs> I did get saved. And and then I actually got saved by studying, honest to goodness, the first thing we were in was uh, First Peter. And we got to chapter three, wives submit to your husbands. And I was ticked off. Oh, boy. That's a good I said, one. you women got some explaining to do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's when the Lord really put it on my heart that it was a state of my heart, not that it required slippers and a cigar, because that's what you were told back then, right? Like, well, what are you going to do? Give him his cigar and slippers and a beer when he walks in the door. And um, <laughs> it's like, that's kind of how, it's like, funny. so it was like, no, I, I wasn't going to do that. So I went so far the other direction, yeah. but some of it started off innocent, like little league baseball. I wanted oh, to play. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Little league baseball. <laughs> but let me tell you why. I, I always, to- whenever I got on a team and I'd walk <laughs> up to the first practice and see a girl on the team, I'd be like, you got to be kidding me. There were Where girls on team? the team when you played? There, early on when I was in T-ball oh and, and little gosh, league. Oh my gosh, this is going to go yeah. off the rails. No, but here's what I want you to know. <laughs> 
that was a legit, I like baseball better than softball. It feels different when you hit the ball. It was, I could throw it farther. I could throw it faster. I never understood why they gave girls the, the larger the ball, ball that you have to be stronger to make it go anywhere. So I never it's made probably so easier it doesn't, to hit. So it doesn't hurt you. Okay, because a tiny ball at that at it's that velocity. Go, I, going I was so on much third base faster. and a girl got her nose broken. Uh, the short I was going to say softballs can a, get they can get fast. Yes, I heard it break her nose. Yeah. It's, and have you seen a have you seen a chick fast have you ball. seen a chick pitch a softball in like college softball? Oh no, those, it's fast. Those yeah, chi- those guys are fast. throwing. Those Wait. girls are throwing. See, here we go. Those guys, girls, <laughs> those he she's they them's <laughs> oh, no. are throwing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, but, they're, they're they're moving, but I mean, not as fast as a, as a hardball. No, no, still, I mean, it's it's so is, isn't the point of softball that the ball is going a little slower? It's not soft. I know that I've I've hit. It's one. not soft. Yeah. It's larger. The likelihood of it hitting you is higher because it's larger. <laughs> I just didn't like it. I think it's but when then, it does hit you though, because it's hitting more of a mass. The energy is spread out over a larger mass of your body. Therefore, it doesn't it won't penetrate your eye. That's right. The nose is a pretty small. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. but so, when I, I was told no because I was a girl, and that for t-ball for little league little league i was a good pitcher now just i want to say have you thought i mean dobson talks about this in Uh bringing up boys he says it's it's not good for boys to compete against girls he said it it doesn't do it doesn't do good for that kid's heart especially when they get beat by girls (laughs) that's what we used to say what are you afraid of being beaten by a girl hey i was afraid of getting beaten by a girl i I remember you still are with me there was you played ball like a girl no what did you say there was a girl that one time challenged me whenever i was like in third or fourth grade and she was bigger than me because i was the runt of the litter and she challenged me to arm wrestle her and I remember thinking, what if I lose? Yeah. I will never be able to show in, my face. In college. In this school. <laughs> in college. In, no, in, no. <laughs> in college, we had a guy who was, uh, who, who was we, we took this wrestling class, and there was a, a very, um, we'll say, manly woman, uh, young lady who was in the class as well. But she was the, young, the smallest guy of the class had to wrestle her. And... I I thought I felt bad for this guy because I knew that this this girl he was going up against was pretty strong. Like she was strong, she was athletic, and she I, I was like, and I knew the guy. The guy's name was Brian. I knew Brian was not able. He was not going to go. Good it wasn't going to go well. <laughs> and sure enough, he lost. And I felt so bad for him oh. because he was like, you know, he was the guy that lost in the wrestling class. I mean, again, it was just a class. It was it wasn't like you know. A huge I cannot arena, stand but, the fact that they let girls wrestle with boys. Yeah. I hate it. And it was all—it was all because of weight, right? It was all like. How about the UFC where they're allowing these trans guys to pound the crap out of these poor women? Oh, but the ACLU says that's a myth. That that uh, trans athletes do not have an unfair advantage in sports. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what from, a yeah. stupid. It's from the ACLU. Uh, yes. Did they know Leah Thomas or whatever Andrew Thomas, whatever his name was? Well, that's uh, one of the things, right? It's like one of the reasons we started talking. I'm like, where are the feminists? Yeah. And that's why we wanted to bring you on and be like, okay, like, what do you think women ought to do 
when it comes to this trans movement. I personally think it's kind of funny because I feel like the trans movement is basically saying, women, you weren't good enough at being women, so step aside, let a man come in and show you how to, how it's right. done. <laughs> Which I think is kind of awesome. I'm like, I mean- from a from a, from a misogynistic <laughs> standpoint, it's like, yes, we are, we are, we're even better women than women are. You know? <laughs> it's shocking that you would relate to it in that way. So, so, okay, but where well, do you we think went, this is going to go? I don't know, because we went from wanting to vote, right? That was yep. wave one. Yep. And when I say we, I am a recovered feminist. Like, the Lord got a hold of my heart, showed me how to submit to my husband, and but yet still be a strong woman in ministry. So there, you can do both. But so we, we wanted to vote. And then you have the women's lib movement, which was wave two from 1963 to the 80s. And that was when you had the Equal Pay Act. You had Roe v. Wade, um, the Gloria Steinem, Jane Fonda, like that whole group. And then it be- started to become like a man-hating club. Yeah. And I think that has kind of continued. And then wave three, which is the 1990s, workplace equality, sexual harassment. That's when you had the Anita Hill uh, oh Clarence, yeah, from Clarence, Clarence Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which, by the way, I was watching something the other day that I think it's the Smithsonian Channel or something, but I guess MTV owns it or it's owned by the same conglomerate. And so they were doing like this, like you know, uh, it was Women's History Month, and they were showing all the things like row and and marching and all this, and they showed Anita Hill on there too. It was like this shot of Anita Hill testifying yeah. in front of Congress. Which was a complete, like, just absolute, like, witch hunt for Clarence Thomas. Yeah. It, it, like, it was almost as bad as as the Brett Kavanaugh uh, right. nonsense that was going on. So, but I can't believe it. I was like, they were they were showing it as a this is a great you know women's testimony right here. It's like, oh my gosh, like out yeah. of all the women's the things you could pick, you pick that one. But right, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I was I sent you guys. Um, a commercial from 1978, right? So like we were taught, so 1978, I would have been nine years old. And this was uh, the commercial was, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan and never, ever let you forget you're a man. Cause I'm a woman. <laughs> and that was this commercial. And it was like the thing. in I think from that point on, especially in the nineties, in the third wave was like, you can have it all and you should have it all. You should be a successful career woman. You should be bringing home, you know, the bread. You shouldn't be relying on a man. Um, you have every right to make a living and a career as a man does, which is fine. I, I, I'm not opposed to that. I, I do have a career and, sure. and I have children. So You said that's a third wave. So the third wave was really like you have it all, like yeah. you should have it all. What was, what would you say waves one and two were for? Well, one was really women just wanted to vote. The suffrage movement. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then two was, um, I don't know. Everyone was just mad. <laughs> would, would two have been in the, um, would that have been the, uh, Rosie, the riveter kind of, but that, that was more, that no. was more birthed out of. The World War Two, yeah, like that, that was necessity. That would have been almost in between. Yeah, and and I think the thing about that was there was a necessity for women to work. Yeah, because men were fighting the and war. And so yeah. you know, I I don't know much about that movement. They don't label that as a movement. They kind of skipped over yeah. it. Um, 
But in the 60s, it was, you know, women should be able to abort babies and women should be able to yeah. be sexually sleep, free. Sleep and, around with anyone they want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that would have been maybe wave two would yeah. be the 60s. And then wave three was probably the, you know, have it all kind of. The 90s. The 90s. Yeah. And then wave four, they're saying we're in now. And they say it's kind of a continuation of three, but it's morphing into this weird thing. Um, they're saying it's like this wave of social uh social media activism mm -hmm. that you're seeing well, did wow. that did that kind of start you think with the with the me too movement mm -hmm. yep. the hashtag that's or, exactly right or yeah. what i like to say the pound me too that it's a pound sign the pound me too movement nope <laughs> that's what if you if you would go back if nope. you would go back to nope. uh no, that's what it is. It's a pound sign. Be before it used to it be was, called a hash, or before it was called a hashtag, called, it was a pound, pound sign. The pound me too. <laughs> oh, that's no. Not, that's not what they meant to try and say. But if you would go back in time, you should 30 years. You no, no, I don't do that. You should, <laughs> you should, if you were to go back 30 years in a time machine and take the hashtag me too movement back to somebody 30 years from now, and they would look it at it. It was a pound sign. And it was a pound sign. They'd be like, pound me too. What is going on in the 2020? <laughs> what is happening? Oh, uh, that's... <laughs> that's come on that's pretty lost good. in translation <laughs> so where we are now and when i say we i don't include myself in that i don't consider myself a feminist but where it is now is now you have to find a way to make your feminism inclusive to trans women mm. which i'm going to try to keep myself calm i just can we get just really say, upset what, can we just say men dress like women oh, yeah, yeah so okay can i we need, have to I call need clarity them okay that. well so, no, trans literally what this says though. right right no, and so I just, just so everybody's clear, the the leftists out men there, skirts. they will say trans women, and just so everybody knows, trans right. women are men dressed up like women. Yes. Right? Like that's- Trans inclusive, we'll yeah. say that. Your feminism- Whatever happened to transvestite? Wasn't that what they were called? Sounds like a disease. Well, I mean, it was, wasn't it called- or an insect. That's what it was called, transvestite. Yeah. Transvestite. Yeah. Yeah. Was a man who was acting, pretending Men to be- Men in lipstick. Yeah. Right. Pretending to be yeah. a woman. Right. right. But we've, I, I haven't heard that well, term. Is that one, like, is that politically all of incorrect these were now? in the DSM. Like all of these were mental, mental illnesses. Disorders. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the. Which the, are talked about in scripture, by the way. The mental disorders. No. The, the fact that, I mean, in, in the scriptures, if some, if a man dressed like a woman, he was to be killed. Look in the old Testament. I mean, people don't want us to say it, but it's right there. Yeah. You, you know, it, it was, it was a shame yeah. Well, and you look at Romans 1, even in the New Testament, giving themselves over to all kinds of abominations and sexual desires that are not natural. Well, what is that? That's a picture of homosexual relationships and then anything that's not natural, right? So, like, if yeah. you're a man and want to be a woman, that's not natural. So, you know, that's... But, but yeah, go on. Sorry, I, I just wanted to stop and just kind of say, no, okay, okay, trans... The left will say trans women, but just for clarity, yeah. it's men. They're men. So, my whole point with the waves is we started... You know, the whole thing started with, well, we would like to vote and, you know, we would like to be able to have jobs, have land, like, like yeah. all of these things. Then it become to you men suck. Yeah. Well, okay. But that's bad. <laughs> so. But I, my I, point is like, we went through all of the, these waves that we go through and now all of a sudden men are telling women how to be women. <laughs> exactly. And they're saying we actually make better women because we put on more makeup and we, we sexualize ourselves in a way that's attractive to men. And women have actually quit doing it. So just let us 
teach you. We're going to demonstrate how to be a woman. 2023, men are better women than even women are. I mean, that's how awesome men are. I do not watch the the Drew Barrymore show. I don't know if you saw. Oh, with Dylan Mulvaney? She has Dylan Mulvaney on there. And for those of you that don't know, Dylan Mulvaney has been a woman in his mind for just over a year. About a year ago, he said he decided he was no longer a he and he wanted to be a she. Yeah. He goes on this. I don't even, I, don't, I would love to be there the day he just decides this. Like, okay, here we go. Oh, no, but here's the thing. <laughs> he was on the Price is Right. I don't know if you saw this. Uh-uh. This is on a Matt Walsh uh, podcast. He was on the Price is Right like years ago. Okay. Acted the exact same, but as a man. Okay. Exact same mannerisms. I mean, it's it's a performance. Yeah. Yeah, and he w- he did it then on the Price Is Right show, and he's just like, ah. I'm like, women don't act like that. Yeah, like right, you're right. foolish. This, yeah. There's no woman that I know that would behave that way. Yeah. Um, so he's so he's on Drew Barrymore show. Yeah, and and uh, he says to Drew, he says something like, I don't remember exactly, but he's like, you know, I'm sure that you never have anyone saying mean things to you. She gets down on her knees. And puts her hands, basically, his hands are on his lap. She puts her hands on his and just like, oh, do you know sometimes the person who's against me the most is myself? (laughs) (laughs) And they have this moment and everyone's like, oh. And I'm like, oh. Like I'm holding back, throwing up in my mouth. It's, this is where we are now. Well, so, and I think too, from a spiritual perspective, you, you have to recognize this is the spirit of Jezebel really taking a hold of the culture, the American culture. And, and I mean, Jezebel hated men. She was she was intimidated by strong men. I mean, Jehu yeah. is the one who ended up killing her in scripture. Her whole shtick was to kind of manipulate them through her prowess and sexuality. But but strong men and men who knew who their identity was, she she was very intimidated by them. Like an Elijah, like she did not like Elijah. And Elijah, he was a he was a man after like after God's heart. He knew he knew who his identity was in, in God. And and so you know, there's you see this run in with godly men and the spirit of Jezebel. Those who carry the spirit of Jezebel hate what a man is actually the embodiment of. And that's, that's a, a huge part of the character of God. And, 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 and I, I just think we're seeing that play out right now. You're seeing the spirit of, uh, of Ashtoreth, the, um, the sexual God throughout, throughout ancient yeah. Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's taking over as well. And there's, uh, you know, you had three main gods. You had a uh, Baal, uh, Moloch and Ashtoreth. And, and those, those are all the sacrificial, um, the sacraments of each one of those gods is really coming back in full force. Yeah. Uh, well, the spirit of Moloch was I mean, babies. Women sacrifice. are killing their yeah. children yeah. out of their right to do so. Yeah. I will never. And here's the thing that I think makes me mad because growing up, I, I had this idea of what it was to be a strong woman and to see women. We're the one, women are the ones doing this. There, there are dads fighting moms against having their children mutilated mm-hmm. by doctors who think they should be able to cut off body parts. Um, women, we, I don't understand. We're sticking up for men being women. We hate men, I guess, unless they're acting like a woman. And then we hate our children enough to kill them because they're inconvenient or too hard to handle because of things in my life. I don't understand where the women are. 
Do you think this I, has to do anything with like a narcissistic mother that wants to make everything about herself? Well, it goes back to this mindset that started in 78. I mean, this agenda of you should have it all. No one should tell you no. You can do anything you want. You are a woman. Hear me roar. Go conquer the world. And if a man gets in your way, just stomp on him. Like that's the mentality I think that has been pervasive. But now we're in this like crazy like just upside down world where even that i'm like do they still hate men like i don't really know where things are because with all of this stuff the the athletes and that i i where the feminists we fought for women's equality in sports for women to be able to compete in sports we fought for that not necessarily against men but just that if there's a baseball team there is a softball team that girls can play basketball that, that was a fight. So they get that. And now we're like, oh, wait. Well, I guess if you dress like a woman, then, you know, go ahead. Come on. You can play. As someone who didn't get to play Little League because she was a girl, I, my head is about to explode. There was a, I think that's true. That's it's so funny. There's a woman that came recently to our prophetic conference, and she, she told me she was 24 years old, and she said, everything I was told by the world that I didn't want and that I should want, um, I found it to be exactly the opposite. She said, I was told that I didn't want a man, but in reality, my heart is that I very much want to be a wife. And then I, I shouldn't want to have children. Don't bring children into this world. But she said, I really want to be a mother. And then she was told that she really was supposed to have a career. And she said, I found that myself that I really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. Everything I was told, she said, has turned out to be a lie. Yeah. And she was fighting mad. Mm -hmm. And I lied. I was like, good for you, girl, you know? Yeah. And she's like, it's just, you know, I've been lied to. Yeah. And she said, and all of my friends are lied to. Oh, the other thing she told me that she didn't want, according to what she was told, mm -hmm. is you don't want to be in church and you don't want to have a relationship with God the way church people do. And she said, that's exactly what I found to be the most fulfilling thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think part of it has to go back to, you know, Genesis where Eve comes out from underneath of her role and she starts in this you know, she takes she takes this leadership position, and then of course you have the weakness of Adam that goes into passivity, and she's led, she's deceived. Doesn't say that she sinned; says that Adam sinned, but the woman was deceived. Mm -hmm. And when God doles out the consequences for the issue, says, "Men, you're going to have this problem. You're going to have to bear the the whole uh, of the side of of the land working against you by the by the sweat of your brow. You're going to have to." to, you know, make your way in the world. And it's going to, you know, the curse is going to be, that it's going to be difficult work yeah. for you to provide for your family. And then the curse upon her was increase of pain. Not that there was no pain before, right? Because you can't multiply what there is none of. You, you, anything times zero is There's zero. a line of women that want to talk to you when we get into heaven. Uh, yeah, <laughs> an increase of pain during childbirth. During childbirth. In, increase yeah. of pain during childbirth, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, and, and the Lord also says, but you will desire to be over your husband, but your husband will be over you. And it's, 
and, and it's very clear there's like there's these different roles and there's a different structure of authority and order that he he says but there's going to be a battle inside of you and how much do you see that 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 you know it's it's not that we're not equally valuable to the lord it's we, we have different roles. We have different roles to play. Well, and, and God chose for us when he gave us our gender. He said, look, I'm handing out parts to play in this great theater. Mm-hmm. You get this part. You get this part. You'll- and part of the curse to women was you will never be satisfied. You won't be content until you've usurped. Like if you're living, if, if you're living according to the curse, right? If you're not redeemed and saved and... And, and the Lord, you know, he makes you new. He, he changes your thinking and all of those things. If you're still living in the curse, you will have a lack of contentment yeah. because well, you cannot, there will always be that battle. You'll always be wanting. What's isn't not. that what the devil did from the get-go? He said to Eve and, and to Adam too, he said, you'll be like God. There's something more. You're missing it. There's more out there. Right. And he, he got into that, that, that contentment. He put, he, he, he was like, you're really not content in the stage that you are right now. Let me show you what's out there that you could be. And have and, women as a group ever, like that's what's happening, right? Yeah. We're content with one thing. We're not ever content. Like yeah. we want what men once, have. Once you get it, and then, then you're we like, get it, we're like, well, maybe men should have it. On to the next thing. Instead of us with, uh, like we are yeah. never content. So, and I don't know where it's going to, I don't know how bad So a couple get. interesting things that just happened here. This, this is Good Friday, uh, 2023. The, just this week, actually two days ago, we had uh, Governor Holcomb signed into yes. law in Indiana a bill that bans uh, transgender mutilation yeah. surgeries uh, on minors. You can't do that in Indiana now. I think we're the 12th state Praise God. in the yeah. nation to Amen. do that. So kudos to Governor Holcomb, even though I'm not, you know, I've, I've been a very outspoken critic of Governor Holcomb. And, and he did waver back and forth. He went, you get seven days when the bill gets to his desk. He has seven days to sign it. He took all seven days. It wasn't like a uh, yes. This is exactly of his conviction. Yeah, right. It, it was, was. He took all seven days. So there is still like you know some. He needs to step up and lead better. But I'll give credit where yeah, where credit's we'll due. Give you credit yeah, and so so anyway, so we have that. But a week ago, once the bill passed the legislature, there were a group of pastors, probably about thirty pastors. Now most of them had the collars on: Lutheran, Methodist, Episcopalian. Were they wearing um, rainbow color and wearing rain, yep, yep. W- rainbow color robes? They were all down at the state house, and they were leading the charge, totally lamenting the fact that the legislature just passed this hate-filled bill that would completely uh, eradicate transgenderism and and you know it would be a it's a it's a it's basically you would think that people are now going to go out with guns and start shooting you know transgender people is based on their what like what is going on in these churches with these uh. idiot pastors who think that somehow mutilating a 12 year old right why are they obsessed yeah. with children i have my gosh. So there, it's there, sick. there was a i can't remember who it was but there was some famous supermodel that because of the country she came from or, or something, she she had um, female circumcision that was done to her at a very early age. And she talked about just how sad that was in her mm-hmm. life, you know, unable to ever, ever feel pleasure from sex. And I remember, you know, when I heard that story, it must have been 25 years ago, but I just thought, oh, man, poor thing. You know, female, you know, genital mutilation yeah. that was going on 
How sad. And that only happens in a different country. That would never happen here because right. we we value, you know, what what God has done in way of sex and pleasure. I mean, the 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 clitoris on a woman has only one function in the world. It does it's not like the the you know, a, a man's sexual parts. It is only for pleasure. God gave her that only for pleasure. It serves no other purpose. And and that somebody would rob her of that for whatever religious conviction. And now here we are. We are going to have to, and not very long from now, start apologizing to Germany for what they, we've called them wicked and evil. And we are doing far, far, far and above what we ever thought we would ever do. absolute child abuse. It's heartbreaking. I told you guys there was a the Jordan Peterson podcast with a young lady named Chloe. And I think she was, I think she's Canadian too. At 12 felt like she should have been born a boy. Uh, so the parents were very complacent. No one really pushed back very hard on what she was going through. Saw, I think she saw a therapist for a little bit at, I think I could have the ages wrong, but it's really close together. Like 13, maybe she had her surgery And she describes what it was like when she took the bandages off and they had cut off her breasts and just the horror. She's like, I didn't look like a man. She's like, I was all excited about taking my shirt off and going to the pool. She said, I look like a monster. Mm. And then after that, at age 14, she comes around to a place of, I think I want to be a mom. I think I want to have kids. And I'm, Mm -hmm. it's, you listen to her story and it's really interesting because it's so emotional, mm-hmm. but she's flat. Mm-hmm. Everything that she says is just matter of fact, matter mm-hmm. of fact, matter of fact. Well, as they dig into her story, she explains they actually suspected her of being on the autism spectrum back then before they did it. Mm-hmm. But they treated this gender dysphoria instead of looking at the fact that she might be, that the autism might be impairing her judgment and how she feels and her inability. One of the things he talks about is how hormones work and how it's affected when you're on the spectrum and how things don't connect in your brain the way that they do normally. And so all of this is, I mean, when you listen to that, um, that podcast with Jordan Peterson, he goes into the science behind the hormones and what happens in a female at this age and a male at this age and how the autism spectrum affects all of that. Mm. And we're taking these kids, the statistics are showing that a lot of these transgender people are on the spectrum of autism, mm. which is just heartbreaking. So where are the good doctors? You know, I have lost so much respect for the medical field uh, the last three or four years yeah. with the COVID vaccine pushes. I mean, doctors, not even like people who have been, who have been, uh, had adverse reactions to vaccines their whole life. And all right. of a sudden the COVID vaccine comes out and, and doctors say, Nope, you have to get it. I'm not in no way, shape or form going to write you uh, an exemption, a medical exemption, been giving you medical, medical exemptions all your whole life up to now, but COVID vaccine, like they, they were, they, they were bought and sold by the by the drug companies it yeah. seemed like went, went from being people of science to people of politics that's right and so so here we are just a few years from 
the medical community completely dropping the ball. Yeah. Uh, and now they are pushing these trans surgeries. If you listen to a lot of the people who were against what happened in Indiana, mm-hmm. it wasn't just these, you know, these leftist idiot pastors who were down there at the, the, the state house. It's the, it's people in the medical field. It's I, it's Riley children's hospital. It's, it's the I use, uh, it, like what well, don't forget the psychological community. Yeah. The DSM, which was once considered like a reputable resource for a psychologist, psychiatrist to diagnose. And it's things there, there you can read about diagnoses, DSM um, entries being changed seriously because of politics. How, how, how have doctors gotten so stupid? I mean, I guess I, I used to think that they were some of the smartest, brightest people in our our culture now you have a you have an md by your name and i think mm, well you know what they call the person in medical school that finishes last right i don't know doctor uh, <laughs> i've been hanging on that <laughs> that's, a, that's great no but but in all honesty like i don't look at md now as as a you know as a culturally like yeah. you know prestigious thing anymore i see md and i'm kind of like mm, used car salesman like what are you going to try to sell me what drugs are you going to try to push on me and my kids today and now again that's generalization i know there are good doctors out there but yeah. in general i think that i think it's the used cars in the used cars uh salesman industry now I, that's i think that they are facing enormous pressure from the hospitals and you know, from, from the higher ups, I love when I run into doctors and they tell me, you know, they, they usually lower their voice. They want to know you're a safe person to talk to. And then, and, and then they go, what's going on here is totally crazy. So, but see, that ticks me off though. Like open your mouth. Like, like, like why, like what happened to the Hippocratic oath? I, you know, we will do no harm. They're letting harm happen. The good doctors are letting harm happen all over the place. And for the sake of their jobs, they're, they're staying quiet and they're staying silent. William Wilberforce said, let it not be said of me that I was silent when they needed me. And you have good doctors all over this country right now that have stayed silent when they should be speaking. Well, you'd have to apply that, you know, and I think that's totally fair, Micah. I think I I 100% agree with you, but that applies to every vocation I'm aware of, including pastors and more. Oh, so, I agree. Because we yeah. know the word of God and 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 our and pastors are 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 miserably cowardly right now I, as well. I agree. You know, we've been beating that drum and but you just have to know, hey, there's people that think like me and I don't care what it costs me, I'm gonna be a person of truth. And I when I do know there are a couple of good pastors or I'm sorry, good doctors at Life Church. That Absolutely. have uh, that oh, yeah. have left their profession because they spoke out and they said yeah. we're, and face we're not going to do that. So yeah. so I do know they're there, but but in general, I mean, if you look at like the vast majority of, good- I don't understand how how they can take that oath and then do abortion. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, yeah. Even if you it, let's say you're you're for some reason you justify a, a transgender surgery, that's still mutilation and abusive. But abortion, there's no other way to define it than destroying something they have that's to, living. They have to say, well, well, what they'll say is it's not living. They'll say, and it, which is complete like abandonment of all science, but they'll say it's not a life. It's not a living thing. It's just a clump of cells. It's like removing a cancerous cyst from somebody's body. That's what they'll say. That's how they justify it. In the same way, they use stupid arguments to justify a transgender mutilation. Like, oh yeah, like this 12-year-old is mature enough to make this life-altering decision at 12. Are we going to do the same thing for anorexia? Are we going to, when a 12-year-old thinks that right. they're, they're too fat 
and they're they're like seventy pounds. That's a great. Point. Are, are we going to give them? You are we going to give you, you diet pills? Mm-hmm. Are we going to subscribe? Are we going to prescribe you diet pills from the medical profession? Like, why aren't we doing that for for? Uh, There's no consistency whatsoever. Yeah. It, it's a spirit. It's a wicked demonic spirit that's at work here mm-hmm. to subvert. It's to exchange the truth of God for a lie, exact, exactly like Romans says it is. And then it and in that in that chapter it says. You bear in your body the due consequence of sin. Mm-hmm. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So we are in the fourth wave of feminism. Now talk about the fifth wave. What do you think the fifth wave of feminism is going to be, Tina? I don't know. I, I know what I'd like for it to be. Um, I, do, I do see more women valuing marriage and wanting to be moms. And I think that's a good start. Yeah. Um, instead of, I don't, you know, I remember sitting at the kitchen table. I remember my dad saying to me, uh, you, I don't, you don't need to depend on a man. You're going to go to college. You're going to get a business degree. And then you're going to learn how to play golf. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was my dad's, <laughs> that was his prescription for success. But he was a blue collar awesome. construction plumber. <laughs> And he wanted better for his daughter. And so for him, that was the prescription. Don't depend on men. Which, by the way, we've never, I've never played golf with Tina. Have you ever played golf we with Tina? Keep try, I played at Top Golf, and I know that she can do. Yeah, she's like halfway well. decent, so but, I've heard. Yeah, oh, she is. And we've invited her, but she uh-huh. removes herself That's true. That's a good point. from the list that, because yeah. she doesn't want this person to not be included yes. or this person to not See, be included. See, I am inclusive. And, and Mike and I <laughs> said, hey, we just want to win. Uh And so if you You get to tee off at the ladies tees and if you're good, that is a huge advantage. Not only that, she has a very slow backswing and I had a real fast backswing and I was watching her. I'm like, she has way more control. She's hitting the ball ball more softly. So I started to slow down my backswing after looking at what she did and it really helped me. That's my dad. But, but, you know, (laughs) he said accuracy matters more than distance. So take your time and aim. You just want it going in the right direction. If you hit it and you kill it, but it goes, you hook it or slice it, you haven't done much to help yourself. So focus on, focus on aim. So does this mean that this year you're going to actually play in one of the tournaments with us? Yeah, I'll play. Okay, so we've got the Brickyard coming up. Wait a minute. We're, we're no, playing wait, wait, wait. I need to play in like a scramble do, where it doesn't matter a, that much. Yeah. That's who, right. who do we have to throw off the team in order? Either to Ross or Daniel. So... <laughs> Ross, Daniel, if we don't get an email by Monday morning Do saying I get a you really want to be on the team, we're going to right. we, we just we have could to do make a an contest. executive decision. Like, I'll decide who it is like on how they treat me. Yeah, there we go. That's right. There we go. So, so hopefully, to your point, hopefully that fifth wave brings back, the pendulum sp- swings back almost to that godly perspective of like, hey, I'm going to go after the the desires of my heart that God has instilled in me as a woman. Yeah. Like, hopefully it does that. And I want to hit on the submissive piece because I think that's where a lot of women really get held up. They, they hear submit. Yes. And there's an instant knee-jerk reaction. I want everybody to know that there is not one person on the planet ever to walk the planet that hasn't had to submit to somebody. And I am including Jesus in that yeah, as yeah. well. Submission's not bad. Everybody has 
has to submit to somebody. The president of the United Submission States is a beautiful submits word. to the people. Well, yeah, I think what happens when you say that word, it gets associated with abuse. Yeah, and it gets associated yeah. with men who, um, yeah, just abuse that term to take advantage of women. I mean, yeah. it's happened in churches sure. and, you know, I mean, cults, all the things. And so I think, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit because that, that was hard for me. Uh, my dad said, don't depend on a man. And then God says, you have to submit to him. And I'm like, ah. Um, but I think it's it was good for me to clarify who that means, actually. Mm. I submit to my husband before, well, God first, of course. And then I submit to my husband. All y'all are under that. Mm-hmm. Right? That's like right. Pastor Nathan. No wonder she never goes and gets me a coffee when I ask for coffee. <laughs> Actually, I hate coffee. You better be careful never, the day that I've, I do. I <laughs> <laughs> feel like something was in this that I shouldn't be drinking right Why now. Why do I have to go to the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do submit to Pastor Nathan as my authority. He's my boss here at Life Church. And I submit. Where you do know, I, excuse me. Uh, where do I fall in the category of, of submission? <laughs> like, excuse me, Pion. I did not give you permission to speak. <laughs> no, but I mean, and then you submit to other men as brothers, Yeah, but that should be mutual, yeah, right? Like, yeah. and, and I think sometimes you see in the church men who misunderstand it and women who misunderstand it, women get mad and men see it the wrong way and have an expectation of women that they are under them automatically because they're female. And mm. I don't think that's not how... I felt like the Lord explained submission to me because we are to submit to one another and that's in love. Like I gladly submit to you most of the time, Micah, as my brother. <laughs> most of them. Most, most being the key word there, everybody. Well, let's, <laughs> I wish some, we had some videotape slow-mo <laughs> from some staff meetings. Once in a, a while. Rebuttal, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, that's not wrong. But you're right. I mean, in the church world, I, I look at guys like John MacArthur, and I, the way he he He's speaks trying to make my us, head explode. No, right I, now. no, kind of. Yes, no. I I think he he to me he embodies that that just that aggressive, uh, poor uh, take on that that scripture where where Paul is is telling women you have to submit to men. He treats you like you are subservient. To, mm-hmm. to men. And I, I go back to ultimately the best example of what we should do in our sub- submission, submissive roles is what does Jesus in the church, what does the relationship look like Jesus in the church? Because he's the bridegroom, the church is the bride. Does Jesus totally like walk all over us and push us down and give us no authority to go out and do anything? Does he does he just say back you sit there, let me go out and take care of every No, he calls us into partnership with him, yeah. right? And and so when that's not happening in the physical realm, you you're breaking the the picture of what Jesus is doing for the church. So if you ever want to know how should a husband love his wife, look at Jesus loving the church. How should a wife submit to her husband? Look at how the church submits to Christ. And then and then just play that out in the physical. And there is no abuse when Jesus is is, exactly. is treating the church that way. There's no there's, that can't be done outside of the Lord. Yeah. Like I, I don't see how that could ever work without peace in God, because there are times I submit to my husband when I feel like he's really wrong. Can we talk real quick about? I was gonna, I was just gonna say this in defense of. Sorry, Troy, that never happens. In 
in defense of uh, Troy, Troy John MacArthur, who's who's not here, I want to I want to say this. I think there's a lot of people that read that passage the way that John MacArthur yeah. does. Yes, and so he believes, and I I don't know. We don't know how he may treat his wife, how he may treat his daughter. They, well, I've it, heard him know, talk about it pretty like. He's pretty aggressive from the pulpit. So again, I, there's a lot of things about John MacArthur I like. I mean, he sure. stood up. Yeah. He stood up to the government in yeah. ways oh, that were right. like he's right on many, many, yeah, yeah, many yeah. things. He could be wrong on this issue. Yeah, but but I I don't know how he treats the women that are yeah. around him. But I think that you know a lot of people are standing up going, well, the Bible does kind of say this verse, you know, right. and and I I think that there's a misunderstanding of you know I suffered an odd woman to to teach nor usurp authority over the man. And we've had this conversation many times, Pastor Tina. Many, many times. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's not, it's not, um, the, the way we read that text, it's not any man right. and any woman, it's her husband. Right. And, and if a woman is not out from underneath the covering of her husband, but her husband goes, hey, look, I see a gift in you. I see that this is the way God's made you, and I want to bless you to operate in the gifts that I see that, that your heavenly Father gave you. Then, then she's not she's not usurping; she's not taking anything. She's been given it. So, the passage of scripture you're referring to is First Corinthians 14, starting in verse 34. It says, "Women should remain silent in the churches; they are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission." As the law says, if they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Okay, now, I think that there's a picture going on here. That, that That's not the... I was talking about the Timothy passage. Oh, sorry, but, but okay. No, but the one that you bring up yeah, has yeah. to be addressed as well, yeah. because they, they... And I think there's one in Titus, too. And they jump on those and, and say, you know, women are never allowed to speak at all. I think what he's setting up is first off, First Corinthians is you got a you got a, a mess of disorder that's happening in that particular church, and Paul's trying to put some some things in order. Men typically sat down front. Women sat in the back. They had the children. They can't hear what's being said, but the men are down front. And so what Paul is saying is let 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 the husband. He can hear it. Let him go home and instruct rather than calling out questions from the back and speaking up loudly. And this being a disorderly process, let there be order. Just have him listen mm -hmm. and he can go answer those questions for her in the end. It's 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 a shame or or disorderly for her to be screaming because we can't hear over the sound of the babies or whatever. That is my understanding of what is being addressed right there. But the and Timothy, or yeah, yeah suffer so, not a woman to to teach nor usurp authority over yes, the man. Right, right. right. Yep. So Timothy it, two twelve. Okay, so in that capacity, it is a, a wife needs to submit to her husband. It's not any woman over any, you know, any man over any woman. It's the man, not right. All men, right? Not exactly. the Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so my mom is a woman preacher. My mom uh, is, a, is a great leader. She's a great speaker. She's a great theologian. But she has my father's blessing to operate in her gift. When she was in getting her um, ordination, she went into a whole group of men. It's during women's lib. 
And they said, Kathy, do you believe in women's liberation? And she says, no. She said, no. And they, she, then they asked her, if your husband said that you couldn't preach, what would you do? She said, I wouldn't preach, but I wouldn't want to be my husband. And what she's saying is, I'll turn that man over to the Lord, that God would do the work in him. Yeah. You know, and, and when she got done, they gave her her ordination. Now, this is nearly 50 years ago. Wow. Right? My mom's coming up, I think, on 50 years here in the next year or two. And, and this man named brother David Owen walks out of there and he was a Welshman and he says, Oh, coffee. They were loaded for butter. You know, <laughs> they wanted to take her out. That was really good. They wanted to take her out, but she answered it so perfectly. And I just, on this past Sunday, literally, I have this young man who comes here to life church, Noblesville campus. And we're out underneath of, uh, of the car drive-in thing, whatever you call it. And, and he says, you know, I was such a jerk to women in ministry in any capacity. He goes, I was, I was one of those people that was so hard. And he said, but your mom is, she's like this awesome lady. He goes, I had to go apologize to her for my spirit. And I said, I, I really appreciate you telling me that because this woman was so influential in my life. I have a big heart for women in ministry. Mm-hmm. But I said, but the difference about my mother is that my mom's classy. She doesn't push herself. Mm -hmm. She just serves. And her gift makes a place for her. Mm -hmm. People open up their heart and they go, I mean, this lady is to have honor here. You can hear it by the way she answers questions, by the way her hospitality and her soft spirit come out. It's not that she's not a mama bear and knows things. It is how she interacts with people that gives a place for her. And Pastor Tina, I think you do the same thing. I think that there's people that hear you guys and go, I don't think that we're uh, we're in the presence of I am female, hear me roar. I am woman, hear me roar. I don't think they get that. I think they get we're maidservants and we're daughters and I we're just trying so. to, I mean, your mom Lord. and I talked about this and you know, we both understand and feel like as a woman, when it's our turn to preach, like you got to bring it because you have to work a little harder. It's I think feel, that's for, that's true. you know, uh, credibility. Um, and we both pray pretty much the same prayer every time, which is God, you know, if you want to make me throw up and put someone else up here to do this message, I'm totally fine. I totally see my position as just a servant. And so I really would prefer to disappear and just have you yourself, Lord, stand there and and say what you want the people to have. Because, you know, for me, I, I can't speak for your mom's motive. You know, your mom's wonderful. I love her. But for me, I'm so aware of how I grew up and what I used to think that the idea of going back to them, that mentality scares me. Mm. So I work really hard to lay down desires and pride and, and trying to uh, not usurp, but trying to grab what's next. Right. Some of that's Mm -hmm. how I'm wired. Some of that's things that I was taught, like, go for it, go for it, go for it. Go get her. Yeah. And so, you know, your mom and I talk a lot because I work, really hard to try to make sure that humility is authentic and genuine before Mm -hmm. ever speaking the word of God to people. That's Mm -hmm. a big responsibility. Yeah, it is. Well, you do a great job. 
for what it's worth, coming from one of the men on the lower um, list of submission forms <laughs> that you have. But, uh, <laughs> and there, you know, I think that we're seeing a lot of people at Life Church who never thought they could sit underneath women in ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of our Baptist brothers and sisters that are starting to attend the church, they had never really heard women be able to bring the word of God and do so. But you have in every position, whether it's apostle, you've got them in the end of Romans chapter chapter 16, I'm pretty sure. Um, you 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 have one that's mentioned amongst the apostles. She's a woman. You've got you've got Phoebe, who is a deaconess. You've got the four uh, virgin prophetesses uh, that were Philip's daughters, right? There's women all over the New Testament. And, and, and especially the one I lo- love a lot is Aquila, uh, Priscilla, so, yeah. Aquila's mm-hmm. wife. Because if you look how Luke starts it out, he starts talking about Aquila and Priscilla. But when you exchange those, those uh, that order, yeah. that generally means that one has stepped up in terms of notoriety. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you start to see that it is Priscilla. actually Priscilla and Aquila. But they're, but they're still a team in ministry. People talk about um, Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth had a wife that was a tremendous woman of God. And nobody knew what was in Smith because he's a plumber. You know, like he, he was low key underneath because his wife had a tremendous gift. And he let her run. And supported her, and yet, and the and the Lord later raised him up. I don't think most people know what the wife's name is, you know. But I just think that there's that aspect in submission to your point, Micah, about being a beautiful. You know, it's a beautiful word. Yeah. Jesus played the submissive role before the Father. Yeah. He you, says, "Lord, not my will, but yours be done." He he played the submission role. So then he has the right to say to the men of the church, "You're the bride. I'm the groom here." And then the men, have, they have to submit to Jesus. And then the women submit to the men and the children submit to the mother. And it creates order right. and blessing. What I was going to ask you, Pastor Tina, is being that you were kind of raised in a little bit more of a, mm-hmm. you know, that, that feminist kind of culture. Mm-hmm. What, what caused you in the way that you were maybe treated by other men that caused you to start seeing the beauty of being able to accept that femininity submission kind of um, kind of posture. Uh, it wasn't men. Okay. It was God. Um, Is God not a man? He has he, <laughs> he him pronouns. <laughs> He's all he pronouns in the Bible. No, I, I, I see him as male, but. Um, <laughs> that are very theologically astute of you. Yes, thank you. Um, no, it, when I did that, so when I, I went to that Bible study on First Peter chapter 3 about wives submitting to your husband, my husband wasn't saved. Mm. Um, I was just coming into a relationship with Christ, and it was like the Lord knew where to hit me between the eyes. He's like, we're going to start with this one. We're going to teach her submission. <laughs> Welcome to the kingdom. I'm like, oh. Um, but Troy was not a believer, and so I had to wrestle with that um, for a while, and the Lord, I had many instances of just crying and being frustrated with how to walk this walk with someone who's like, why are you getting all religious? Um, and constantly the Lord, I mean, at one point I felt was audibly spoke to me and said, I'm enough. I'm enough. Submit to me. I'm, I, I love enough to mm-hmm. cover it. 
Um, and then my husband did come to Christ and it's changed everything in our, you know, it's changed our marriage tremendously. You didn't come to Christ till 30 years old. Right. I, see, I, I didn't know that about Troy. I just assumed Troy, you know, just the wisdom that he exudes, I just always thought he was the more spiritual one that led you into the presence of the Lord. And so... Let's <laughs> <laughs> see if I can get Did that... Did he put better. you up to that? <laughs> Troy, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. So. <laughs> No, but I mean, it was, it was like, not only did the Lord have to like bring me to submission being the first thing, but then to an unbeliever. And it was, that was really tricky. And I've had, I've had um, like wives come to me at the church and they've said, my, my husband's not a believer or they're on a different level spiritually when the, and, and things to the, like, there's one, there's one couple where, you know, he, he is, um, he, he walks in in Catholicism. And so he, but she's like, man, I really love what God is doing at life church and, and we feel alive. And so she's, she's, she came to me and she said, I think we're going to, I'm going to bring the kids here and I'm going to make it the, the church that I go to. And he, he's going to stay at the Catholic church and said, listen, you got, you have to first and foremost, submit to your husband. That's you cannot right. split. It, you cannot split your time between the two. Like if you want to do things throughout the week, uh, and and be here. That's fine. But you have to first submit to him, even in that that hard season of, gosh, I know this isn't the place that we're supposed to be as a family. But and I told her, I said, but God's going to bless that. He's he's going to use right. you first and foremost to change his heart, and just keep praying for him. Just keep, more by your actions than yeah, your words. Yeah. And I really think that's part why submission was the first lesson I needed. Because if I had gotten a hold of faith without understanding submission, I probably would have beat poor Troy up with the Bible. Like, what's yeah. the matter with you? Yeah, like, this is, this is yeah. the way it is. And that would have been like correct, but wouldn't have been right. Yeah. Um, so I feel that's like good. that's... Well, submission comes with the concepts of respect and honor, and that is actually the language that men speak. You can't tell a man that you love him without right. you know, respecting him. So it makes perfect sense that, you know, if, if you are a, a believing wife that you're, you're hoping that your husband comes to Christ, well, then speak love. And, and to him, love sounds like this. And it doesn't sound, you know, like I think I love the, the book Love and Respect by mm -hmm. Dr. Uh, Emerson Egrich. And he, he talks about how, you know, we have this understanding of, of unconditional love. Because mm -hmm. if you have a good dad, your dad's going to love you mm -hmm. no matter what. You, your mom's going to love you no matter what you do. But we don't have that same concept of unconditional respect. Whether or not, then, then a person has to earn your respect before you give it. And that's not necessarily what the Bible is teaching. The Bible's saying, hey, honor. Yeah. And set that out there first. You're sowing what you what you what this person needs believing that on the back end you putting that on the ground you're gonna reap what you need yeah it requires amazing trust in god um faith psalm 37 4 has been my life first forever delight yourself in the lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart mm -hmm. if i'm delighting in him and i really trust him I can submit to my husband because God sees. Actually, your mom has given me the most freeing prayer I've ever prayed in my life, and I pray it sometimes during staff meeting. But um, <laughs> the the prayer she taught me is she would say, um, "Lord, you made him. 
he's your problem. Mm-hmm. So I just submit to you him being a generalization. It could be a she, a difficult person. Let's say that. I'm I'm suspect here. Like <laughs> there's a little suspicion uh, when you say you pray that during staff meetings. Sometimes who are you praying that about? Because Troy is not in the room. It varies. It that. is usually male though. <laughs> that is actually right. Um, but that just the idea of God, you made that person, their walk with you, that that's all between you and them and they're your problem. So I'm going to release having to try to figure that out, um, and do everything that I can to walk in peace with that person and trust you for the rest. And it, it takes a while and it, it does take faith, but that mindset can help you submit. It's that whole, we honor people because we're honorable, not because they are. Mm-hmm. But that requires you have to, because we like justice, right? Everyone, I think we're all created for justice. We, we like that. And so sometimes submitting to someone who we feel doesn't deserve it feels unjust. So where's my justice? If I'm doing A, B, and C, and yet this is what I get, where's the justice in that? But choosing to submit even in that circumstance means, okay, God, I don't know where the justice is, but I know the judge. I know the one who's in charge. And I... I'm going to pray that you handle them. But when I think about that pretty deeply, I'm going to pray you handle them with grace and, and gentleness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but please handle them, mm-hmm. you know? So that, I think that's what I would tell anyone, but mostly women, especially if you're in a marriage and you're struggling with this idea of submission to a man that you're like, doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have to challenge, <laughs> some of that is looking in the mirror at, well, what, what kind of honor do I deserve and how I'm treating my husband? How am I perpetuating this cycle? What's my, my part? But then if I'm convinced in my head that, no, I, I feel like I'm doing the right things and I'm just not getting what I feel like I deserve, then I would say that is a place to delight in the Lord and let him ha- handle it for you. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, Excellent. I think I think if we see that fifth wave bring a little bit more of that heart, Tina, that you have, it'll be a very great thing for our nation and our culture. So, thanks for all you do, and and thanks. appreciate yeah, appreciate your thanks heart. Thanks for allowing me, a mere woman, to be on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, don't get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, on this uh, Easter weekend. Have a great uh, time just uh, remembering why uh, we have victory in the Lord, and that's because of the death, burial, and resurrection of of Jesus Christ. Which, and, by the way, women yes. declared. <laughs> He's hey. alive. You know what? Uh, that right. sets it up for this this theme song here. <laughs> so this is uh, it's a good one right here. But Nathan, thanks for being on the show with me. Hey, thanks for having me on the show <laughs> with you, Micah. Well, hey, this has been Jesus, Sex, and Politics, <laughs> uh, where we talk about all those things. So okay, until next time. It's actually really good, though. I know. I like listening it's to that like song. It's got a good jam to it. It does have a good jam. That is, it's a, you know, it's a, I am woman. You know, hear me roar. roar. We, we got to. You're roaring? 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 Shut up. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Okay, I don't know where to go from here. How do we end this? Just end oh, the show. I thought show. we were over. I thought it was No, done. it's still recording. Hey, make, <laughs> make, 
Make sure that you uh, recommend us to a friend, somebody that this message will make them mad. Share with them. That's right. You our, can find us where you get all your podcasting needs met. That's right. All right. Jesus, sex and politics. So until next time, we'll see ya. You can cancel talking dirty or about your neighbor's looks. You can cancel all the money and all the bad jokes too. But be careful, my friend. One day they cancel you.